This episode was recorded on Saturday, August 25th at 6.59 p.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. I have come to realize over the past year that this party is too intellectually and morally corrupt to be reformed. Maxime Bernier delivering one heck of a jaw-dropping condemnation as he announced that he is quitting the federal conservatives to lead his own national party. It wasn't a graceful exit. Bernier's Ottawa speech was threaded with pot shots at leader Andrew Scheer and the party that he himself sought to lead just over a year ago. I'm not convinced that, convinced that what we will get if Andrew Scheer becomes a prime minister is just a more moderate version of the disastrous Trudeau government. Citing irreconcilable differences over policy, Bernier said simply stepping down wasn't an option because, as he claims, it's the party that changed, not him. The Conservative Party has abandoned conservative. It does not represent them anymore. The news even jolted Stephen Harper from his Twitter slumber, slamming Mad Max as a sore loser with an axe to grind. This all unfolded as 3,000 conservative delegates gathered in Halifax for the party's policy convention, where the abortion issue was once again unsuccessfully resurrected. This does not commit our party to introducing abortion legislation. It commits our party to freedom and democracy. If we remove this and we bring in legislation that makes, makes women criminals again, we are hurting ourselves. We will go back to backroom abortions. I'm Althea Raj, and this is episode one of our third season. Can you believe it? A follow-up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. We're in Halifax, straight from the heart of the bitter Conservative Party divorce. Coming up, we've got all the fireworks from the convention floor, and our panel of party insiders is here to help us read these blue tea leaves. Since losing the leadership, Maxime has repeatedly demonstrated that he is more interested in advancing his personal profile than advancing conservative principles. That was conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Bernier's former colleagues were quick to dismiss and downplay their old teammate's decision, and they cast him as a lazy worker. Uh, Tony Clement, Member of Parliament, Perry Samuskoka. Look, I'm disappointed in Max. I think uh, he's taken uh, almost the coward's way out rather than fight for what he believes in within our party where he was welcome to do so. Uh, he is uh, going to be irrelevant to that. So I feel sad for him, but I, I look at the cases where this happens, uh, and I think of Belinda Straunach uh, leaving the Conservative caucus, and everybody thought that was the end of Stephen Harper. It turned out to be the best thing that happened to Stephen Harper, and he became Prime Minister a few months later. So I think that's the way the story is going to be written in this case, too. James Bazan, may I ask you what you think of Maxine Bernier's decision to leave? Maxine just again proved that he's not a team player, that uh, all the things he's talking about he's never actually brought up in caucus. Uh, this is a guy that's narcissistic and it's all about him, not about the team. Pierre Paulus from Charlebourg, Haute Saint Charles. For the last two years, I've been elected as an MP and never Maxim 
work as a, in a team. In the team, he never uh, bring his own idea to the caucus, to the team. Quebec, the Quebec caucus as well. He, he come to the meeting, don't don't say anything. So now you want to play alone? Yeah, you can play alone. Oh, it's talking points from caucus. The caucus is doing what the caucus has to do. My name is Stephen Fletcher, former member of parliament from Charleswood, St. James, Assiniboia in Winnipeg, and a current member of the Manitoba Legislative Assembly, independent member. Maxime speaks to a lot of uh, Canadians, and from a public policy point of view, um, I think he spoke, speaks for the majority of Canadians. Um, but <laughs> it's politics. In the convention hall, the response from delegates was emotional. Somebody just told me I have to put an E on the end of it. Let me change my sign. My name is Kathleen Mar Wagner. I'm, I'm a delegate from Quebec, from Westmount NDG. What What does your sign say? It says "Bye Bye Bernier." Why did I spelt it? I spelt. I wrote it so fast. Why did you decide to hang this around your neck? Because I think that it's representing how I feel. I'm very glad that he made the decision and that he's left. I'm Tanya Eikoff from NDG Westmount in Montreal. Yesterday was devastating for me because I, I, I didn't see that, I didn't see that coming, and um, and I might not ever see my buddy Maxim again, you know. So that was really really hard, but at the same time I was furious with him. And what's interesting is that in the you know the evening following and and this morning and everything and talking to people that I know are Maxim supporters, I haven't met one person that isn't furious with him. And I'd be surprised if he could actually get people from the Conservative Party of Canada to join his party. I'd be shocked. My name is Senator Don Plett. I'm talking to you on a street at like midnight on Thursday. Maybe it might be already Friday morning. Uh, is this part of the chatter and the sort of behind the scenes in the bar, uh, in the restaurants? Well, uh, Elthea, I think today for about two hours at our caucus meeting, we talked about Maxime Bernier, and we decided that we would now focus on the uh, true enemy of Canada, Justin Trudeau, and we would put Maxime Bernier entirely out of our mind and we would focus on Justin Trudeau and winning in 2019. And after this weekend, Max Bernier will be a footnote in some history book somewhere because people that do what Maxime Bernier did today just simply don't go anywhere and this isn't. We learn that splitting the, 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 the right does not win us government. Uniting the right wins us government, and we will become the government under Andrew Scheer in October 2019, and that you can take to the bank. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Althea. If there's one fundamental principle that should unite us all as conservatives, it's that the big government should stay the hell out of people's private lives. Hi there, uh, Brian yes. Bates in Calgary Confederation. I'm sick and tired of apologizing for being conservative. We need to have courage, stand up for our values, 
and not compromise on stuff like this. We need to win on conservative values. Let's be conservatives. Why else are we here? First of all, the state has no business in our browsing history. Second of all, pornography is not a health issue. Passport babies take away the resources of our uh, system. And the liberals support it. They do not support a fair citizenship system. We should fight for our own babies. This is Deepak H from Calgary. Wow. This is a fundamental question of equality out here. Any person who is born in Canada by law is entitled to be a Canadian. We cannot choose who is going to be a Canadian and who is not going to be a Canadian. My name's Natalie Pond. I'm here in Halifax as a delegate from Edmonton West. I'm Jason Leader. I'm from uh, southwestern Ontario, and I'm just so excited to be here in Halifax and doing the Huffington Post today. We're actually called HuffPost now. HuffPost. Okay, so Marc-André Leclerc, Andrew Scheer, Chief of Staff. Let me just start off by asking you about what just happened in uh, on the convention floor. There are a couple of resolutions that uh, seem to split the room in half. Uh, Natalie, you expressed on Twitter uh, great relief that uh, the abortion motion had not passed. Um, why did you tweet that? I felt a lot of relief seeing that because I, I understand the, the necessity behind having a Big Ten compromise uh, policy book that represents the party and acknowledging um, there have been previous policy changes that have taken place that have maybe upset certain parts of the party um, more so than others and that that mobilized them to make them want to make some changes this time around. So I was happy to see it fail because I do think that the current policy as it's written does reflect a compromise standpoint. It lets members have their own views. It lets uh, members in the House vote their conscience, but it also does make a promise that a, a conservative government wouldn't legislate on abortion. So the current way the policy book is worded, it says that a conservative government would not uh, basically introduce any legislation that deals with abortion. And what we saw in workshops on Friday was that there was a uh, an organized effort by some groups, including Right Now and Campaign Life Coalition, basically the social conservative wing of the party, to try to bring this to the floor of the convention, which... I actually don't remember the last time I've been to a conservative convention where we've had the entire delegations vote on the abortion issue. Uh, Marc-André, did you see this as a problem? I mean, you also have the the leader's point of view to keep in mind here. Yeah, I think the point of view of, you know, Andrew Scheer is crystal clear that, you know, he's not going to open the debate. So we saw with the result uh, on this resolution also and the other one that, you know, this is a very uh, divisive issue. Right now, we have a result, so we, we are keeping this section in our policy book, and now we can move. We can move forward. The vote was forty-seven to fifty-three. Fifty-three percent of the delegates said we don't want to talk about this. Um, but does it hurt the party to even have a discussion like this in terms of what the rest of the country looks at when they are tuning into CPAC or watching the clips on the national news, Jason? Yeah, I mean, the, the tens of people that were tuned into CPAC <laughs> probably saw something that they, they didn't like to see there this afternoon. Here's the thing. Uh, I think I think you guys make a good point. The truth is we're losing when we're talking about this issue or winning when we're talking about other issues like the economy or jobs or Justin Trudeau's performance or that kind of thing. So, and, you know, the thing is, we had a conservative government 
government for 10 years, nothing was done on abortion. There was a lot of fear-mongering about Mr. Harper and what he might do. He made it very clear, just like Mr. Scheer has at the very outset, um, that he wasn't going to do anything on this issue. And, um, you know, our opponents would like to talk about it. Um, uh, you know, some media <laughs> members like you, Althea, might want to talk about it every <laughs> once in a while. We don't want to talk about it at all. It's actually not part of the policy agenda. And the truth is, the leader decides what issues we run on. That's the bottom line. I mean, we can talk, we've got a grassroots party, there's some good debates on the floor. The leader and the campaign team decide what we're, we're running on. We're not running on this issue. We won't be running on this issue. We won't make any changes on this issue. And the debate is done and it's time to talk about something else. But is the debate really done when you have a discussion like this that where the, the delegates, because I don't want to say members, I don't know how the membership as a whole would vote, but the delegates here, they seem split on this issue. I and mean, we saw two other resolutions pass one basically banning a future Andrew Scheer government from funding abortions abroad. I'm not sure that would ever have been part of Mr. Scheer's agenda, but he, <laughs> the membership is now telling him not mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and also another um, resolution that basically the idea that uh, aborted fetuses who are born where their their heart are still beating, that they would be given life-saving efforts like a premature baby. The membership, or the delegates rather, I'm correcting myself here, want to see that happen. How is that not uh, a controversial topic? When I think about a policy convention and a delegated convention, I think the most important thing to remember is that only the people that have a vested interest in changing the policy book will actually attend. So when we look at the close vote that happened for abortion, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that the party membership as a whole probably wouldn't have voted in as close a fashion as well. Um, We saw concerted efforts by Right Now and by the Campaign Life Coalition to organize in order to to bring these discussions to the floor uh, at plenary. Um, They've been sending out fundraising emails for months now to raise money to send their delegates to delegate selection meetings to make sure they had the funds to attend in Halifax. And we've been seeing this since convention in Vancouver when we removed the traditional definition of marriage from the policy book. Uh, they, They felt like we were straying from what they defined a conservative to be, and they found other ways to to bring the party back to what they believe a conservative party should be. And I I think that at the end of the day, um, the leader will do what is best for the party and build a platform um, based on what he believes will help us win in 2019. I feel like the the delegates would not like to hear you guys say this. I don't care what they want to <laughs> want to hear, and and that's the thing is the the truth is I respect the views of the members of the party. We got a big tent party. Everybody can talk about it. Um, you know, we can. The truth is, uh, there's only one uh, name at the top of the ballot in uh, in 2019. And he's very clearly decided he's not running on this issue. And I give Mark Andre and his uh, and his team a, a lot of credit for how they managed this issue over the course of the weekend. And uh, you know, it's it's put to bed. And uh, you know, the only people that want to talk about this issue are liberals, and uh, and we're not going to be talking about it. One of the other resolutions that uh, passed, uh, I was surprised to see it pass, um, was a resolution with regards to birthright citizenship. The delegates told uh, a future conservative government that they would like to see that stripped. So if you are not born to a Canadian parent or you're not born to a Canadian permanent resident, that you would not be allowed to uh, have a, citizen, a Canadian citizenship um, if you just happen to be on vacation uh, in Ottawa, for example. One of the delegates suggested that this would lead to a number of stateless children. Mm-hmm. We saw Deepak O'Brien speak very passionately on the floor uh, against this, with also a former cabinet minister, Alice Wong, saying mm-hmm. that this she was in support of this resolution. Uh, Marc-André, do you think this might hurt uh, the Conservative Party, because I think 
of all the resolutions, this is probably the one the liberals are most mm -hmm. happy ha has passed. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you know our opponents will will do some stuff against this. But you know, right now we need to decide. You know, we don't have any position on this as a caucus, so. Uh, you know, we need to look at um, the end of this convention, you know, this week, next week, to see about how, which policy and about the result. And we are going to share this with the leader and the team. And uh, as a caucus, also, we'll need to have a position on this and to see what we are going to do in the platform in 2019. You know, it's one thing to add something in the policy book, but also it's one thing to have, you know, a policy in the platform in 2019. So, we, we need to figure out right now we don't have a we have this resolution and also uh, I think also the leader and the team will need to take a decision about make a decision about what we're going to do and if this is the kind of issues or policy that we want to push forward for the next campaign. I feel like you may have heard or you may have gotten your lesson from the 2015 campaign running yeah, on something that was um, not exactly this but similar to this. Yeah, of course, you know, uh, in 2019, we have a new leader, you know, and we have a, a new approach. And I think Andrew Scheer is the guy, you know, that they want to, to, to work on issues that they can keep the party together and can unite Canadians around some very economic issues and stuff like that, instead of to try to devise people on different kind of issue. So I think it's better to focus on what is good for the country, what is good for every person to keep the people together, united as a party, uh, as a country, instead of trying to find a way to devise people on this kind of very sensitive issue. So I've got the Maxime Bernier pins from his leadership campaign, which I volunteered on. So my name is uh, Nathan Weber. I'm from Burnaby South. There's a saying in Hunger Games called every revolution begins with a spark. And Maxime Bernier has sparked the revolution. After what they did yesterday, I cannot say as a conservative, I'm joining Maxime Bernier's new party. We're going to found it. In a month, we're going to be registered with Elections Canada. We're going to have a name. We're, we already have a campaign team. Their campaign team already called me. They're gonna, I'm going to be on their BC campaign team for the new party. I want to ask you about Maxime Bernier because the convention started off with a little bit of some drama. Um, <laughs> yes. No drama. <laughs> no, no. What are you talking about? No. Yeah, but be because I think seriously, you know, I was with Mr. Shear, you know, uh, Wednesday and um, Thursday morning. So, and uh, Wednesday, I got a phone call from both you know, from some people. And they told me, hey, you know, just heads up, I think that Maxim will uh, will, will quit uh, tomorrow. And at this time, you know, we tried to reach out to Maxim before this information and after, you know, no answer. Uh, so so I told Mr. Shear, I said, okay, I think that Max is leaving. So we did some f phone calls, no answer, no more information about this, but, you know, we were already, Maxim did his presser in 1 p.m. Ottawa time, and we had a caucus meeting, you know, two hours after his presser. This is the best way to keep the, 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 the team united behind the leader. This is the first time, this, since May 2017, this is the first time that this party, the CPC, is a party of Andrew Scheer. So Maxim is thinking that the, the, the timing was good. 
I said it did a mistake because for us, you know, you can imagine to do this, you know, two weeks or before or after the convention, how it's difficult to reach out to MPs, to Mark Stroll in BC, to Candice Bergen in Manitoba. So to make sure that they are united, you know, right now in the same room, the people was very mad against him. And right now we can, we can move on. You know, it's funny, the, um, you know, uh, Marc-Andre, who, you know, works for, for the leader. And, you know, we've got a couple of outsiders here, uh, myself and Ali. But I expected to be talking about Max Bernier all weekend because I expected Max Bernier to be here. And I expected to make it very difficult on Marc-Andre and his team to manage that situation over the course of the weekend. Just imagine an alternative scenario where Max Bernier came to this convention, wore his tag around, glad-handed in all the halls, was followed by media doing, you know, sort of interview after interview after interview saying... You know what Andrew Shearer is, whatever, you know, uh, the party should be following me. We should do whatever on supply management. He could have dominated this entire weekend. And instead, he made himself irrelevant. I think Max made a huge calculation error here. I think he overestimated just how many people were loyal to him versus people that are loyal to the party and the cause. I want to be honest, though. There's a movement afoot. Um, there's people that would want to vote for the kind of things that Max Bernier is saying, and I don't want to minimize um, the impact. And this is why I'm so angry with Max Bernier. It's like, if you've been, you're a conservative, and you've seen what uh, what Mr. Bouchard did to Mr. Mulroney and what Mr. Manning uh, did, both of them for their own reasons, uh, you know, men of principle, I would say, both of them. But if you see what they did and what the impacts were, it's not actually what they did, but what the impacts were, which was um, essentially a, a liberal government running unopposed for a, a decade and a half. I don't want to go through that again. And a lot of people, when you look at the 3,000 people in that room, and, and I think most of the party membership are saying, hell no, we're not doing that again. We're not having two parties. We're not trying to marry the parties again. We're not doing that, Max. Get out of here. Like, beat it. And so, um, you know, there's one thing that unites conservatives. It's hatred of the liberals and hatred of Justin Trudeau. And uh, I think that's going to make Max Bernier's life a a really tough uh, sell over the next little bit. My only thought for why he potentially might have done this was if he thought caucus was going to vote him out at that meeting. Um, what was it on, on Thursday, I guess. Um, so I guess to maybe just save face, he thought that if he quit before he got kicked out, that would be the best scenario for him. But I don't even think it was on the agenda for the caucus meeting. No, no. And so it, it, just a gross miscalculation on his part, I think, at the end well, of the day. Any, in any case, I think it would have made more headlines if he had been kicked out and then he could have been the martyr. Yeah. If, you, if you're really strategic... You want to martyr yourself. Mm-hmm. That's very, very, very. This is the most simple strategy in the world. You know, like the a, a grade eight student read of art, read, reading Art of War could have figured that out. That the only way to actually get what you actually want is to martyr yourself. And uh, Max made another uh, another bad bet. Et nous savons déjà que le contexte politique au Québec serait très différent en 2019. Le bloc et l'NPD foncent dans un mur. This recent win in Chicoutimi-le-Fjord is not an anomaly. This is perhaps the beginning of a great breakthrough in Québec. Everyone's welcome in our party and if we want a broader base, uh, we need to open our doors. So. Anyone coming from the Bloc Québécois or the NDP looking for an alternative, looking to beat Justin Trudeau in 2019, is more than welcome to get involved with us. 
Antoine Tardif, Director of Operations for Quebec at the Conservative Party of Canada. The upset we created in Chicoutimi-Lafiore last, uh, last uh, May is something we can replicate uh, everywhere in Quebec. With uh, hard work, preparation, finding the right candidate, uh, I'm confident that Quebecers are ready to vote Conservative in uh, numerous writings and that uh, if we get ready and we prepare well, uh, everything is possible. Okay, we're back with Jason, Marc-André, and Natalie. Um, a lot of this convention's speech time, the time on stage, uh, was devoted to um, talking French, frankly. Mm -hmm. While the French, Marc-André. <laughs> you, you know that uh, for 2019, that how Quebec, it's, it's very important, you know, with a lot of seats in Quebec. And we put a plan together, you know, uh, last December, you know, with Mr. Scheer. And we said, okay, we need to introduce you to the Quebecers. We did an open letter to Quebecers. Mr. Scheer and Anna Reyes, they are doing a listening tour in Quebec. Uh, Mr. Scheer went to Tourmont-Dampal. We saw in the polls outside Montreal that we are very close with the Liberals. And right now, on the ice, it's only two parties in Quebec. It's us and the Liberals, you know, with the Bloc Québécois, with Martin Ouellet, it's done, it's over. Uh, for Jamin Singh and the NDP, it's very difficult in Quebec. So we can see right now, it's very <laughs> a race between us and the Liberals. We have some huge opportunity, you know, to increase our seat in Quebec, and this is key for us. So, of course, Mr. Shea will spend a lot of time in Quebec underground to try to connect. So in the past, with Mr. Harper, you know, we try some, you know, to have this kind of connection. You know, we miss some opportunities. But right now, with a new leader, a new face, young, so we are able to, I think, to have this kind of connection between, you know, uh, Anglophone leader, you know, from Saskatchewan, uh, bilingual, but also, you know, to have this connection with Quebecer that they are more uh, emotional than the people outside Quebec. <laughs> What do you mean they're more emotional? <laughs> no, but, you, know, you know, the Quebecers, you know, you need to have this kind of connection, you know, this kind of feeling, you know, it's more, yeah. is less rational about economy, stuff like that. You know, you need to see the guy, you know, the leader that, you know, okay, I like this guy, you know, it's like about the art, it's about, about Emotion. They need to fall in love it's with It's art, them. not science. I agree. Yeah, so it's, it's, this is Quebec. So sometimes, you know, uh, some politicians, you know, they are doing this mistake. You know, you need to, you need to understand, you know, the dynamic in Quebec. It's, it, it's, it's different when you are campaigning in Quebec and when you are campaigning outside Quebec. One of the things the Tories have been doing uh, is being, um, not being afraid of embracing nationalist Quebecers. Yeah. Um, do you think that that would hurt them in English Canada, this very open approach to former Black Québécois members? I, I don't think so. I think um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, that was most Mr. Mulroney's coalition, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you when you look back, I know it was a different different country in 19, you know, 88 and, and uh, 1984. But the truth is, um, you know, that is the coalition, which is uh, conservative-minded Quebecers who may be more nationalistic or have been nationalistic. But, like, you know, we're talking about the conservative option in, in, in Quebec. And I think for people that are watching this outside that don't follow politics every day, it's important to, I think, understand the context of Quebec, but from the Liberals' perspective as well. So if you think about their electoral electoral coalition, so they want every, we're sitting in Halifax, they want every seat in, in, in Atlantic Canada. They will not they will not have that result again. It's virtually impossible mm -hmm. for them to have that result again. So they're going to lose seats in Atlantic Canada. Go to the far west coast. They're at a high watermark in BC. They, they have to assume that they're going to lose seats in BC as well. They're at a high watermark in Alberta. 
uh, they've you know it's only four seats, but they're they're going to lose them. They're going to lose four seats in Alberta, two um, in Edmonton, and two in two Calgary. in Edmonton, and two in Calgary. Um, they're not going to lose any seats in in Regina, uh, where they know, have one. Where they have one exactly in Manitoba. They're not particularly strong, so they have to duplicate their result or do better last than they did last. So I think you know when Mark Andre talks about the electoral map, I think it's important for people to understand why everybody's focusing so much attention on Quebec because Ontario is its own campaign for sure, and you know if we've had a provincial campaign. It's going to be an interesting dynamic there. But the Liberals have to do very, very well in Ontario. And they actually have, they actually, to, to have the same result, they actually have to do way better in Quebec mm-hmm. than they did the last time. And it's, uh, you know, at this point, I would say, I, I don't think, I don't think any of us, Mark Andre wouldn't say this, but it's, we're, we're long shots to win the next election. But there is a path to victory. And it's very exciting to actually have a path to victory against a prime minister who looked sort of in, impenetrable uh, a number a couple of years ago. And so, you know, when you look at that and you look at women in Ontario who will decide this election in the 905, um, Mr. Scheer has a, a, a value offering. You know, more and more people thinking that we have a chance in 2019, you know. If you are looking at maybe, you know, 10 months ago, people say, okay, you know, never, you know. Yeah. And in 2019, never. You know, good luck. See you in 2023. So, but right now, more and more people following this this trip in India. So more and more people, you know. Okay, yeah, Andrew Shear is is maybe the guy for 2019. So, uh, so I think this is a very exciting, you know, to be at, at this place right now when we are looking at the polls, numbers, all the stuff like that. That you know, the fundraising. That oh yeah, we are there. You know. We are very close. Sometimes we are ahead, so we need to stay in this position. Let me just end on this question about kind of the challenge ahead, because one of the things we haven't talked about is, frankly, the NDP strength. Uh, The NDP is very weak across the country. And when you form government, it's usually because of three-way races Mm -hmm. and because the NDP pulls votes away from the Liberals. Um, Nali, I'm going to start with you. What do you think the challenge ahead is uh, for the Conservative Party? I think you nailed it. Jagmeet Singh has been invisible. He's not building the NDP to the point they need to be in order for the Conservatives to have an easier path to victory. He's definitely making it tougher for Conservatives right now. Uh, We're going to see it in a lot of those swing seats uh, between Liberals and Conservatives right now. We need the NDP to do well in those seats if we're going to take them back from the Liberals. And, And so I think that will be our path to victory there. If, if the NDP can, can find themselves, find their identity, start organizing a little bit better and have more of a national presence, um, the Conservatives are going to be in much better shape going into 2019. Is that something you worry about, Marc-André? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I hope that Mr. Singh, you know, will win this by-action in, in Burnaby South. So, um, Then why I'm are ver- you running someone against <laughs> him? <laughs> you know, I'm very excited. You know, if you're, you know, w- w- we need to see him more. You know, he, need to, he needs to be more proactive. So uh, we need to make sure that uh, the NDP has a strong leader, you know, in the House, has some exposure in that. You know, some journalists like you will cover him more and more uh, to get to get him some more exposure that he has right now. Okay, Jason, you get the last word. All right. Well, listen here. The thing about Jagmeet Singh is we won't win the election if if he's at ten or fifteen or eighteen or you know percent in the polls. That's the that's the truth. I think we all know it. We can all do the math. Um, they need to do better. 
Um, and uh, right now, they don't seem to have a plan to do better. Um, so I, I think it's uh, again an existential threat for uh, for if you if you're hoping for conservative government, this is an ex- existential threat to it. But uh, you know, maybe we maybe as conservatives, we got to start giving some money and uh, advice over to Jagmeet Singh to uh, to help us so. out. <laughs> I'm sure they could use it. <laughs> exactly. Let's say Maxime Bernier does create a political party. Yeah. His strength was mostly, if you look at the leadership um, in urban areas, a lot of strength in Alberta. Even if he steals votes from the conservative in Alberta, does it make a difference? Not really. Uh, not really. Not in most ridings. In Edmonton, it would matter. In a couple of Calgary ridings, it would matter, right? But the four, the you know, let's say we win three of the three. We're still going to win three or four of those ridings back. But, you know, the truth is, and this, this is the point I want to make, and I think all of us would agree on it. Even if he took 1%, 2%, 5%, 7%, it doesn't matter what the number is. Any vote in a close election, when we're the long shots, any votes taken away from Mr. Scheer in the wrong ridings is a big, big, big problem. And it could do nothing other than if Max Bernier wants to sort of think about his legacy long term, if it's a close election in 2019 and he costs us that election by a few votes in the wrong ridings, I will tell you there will be there will be torches coming to the bows to get this guy because he will have elected Mr. Trudeau once more in a very close election. So uh, I, I fear for Max Bernier in that kind of a situation. Well, the one thing uh, we know that was everybody had in common in this room is definitely hatred for Justin Trudeau. We heard that um, all throughout the convention with a number of zingers. And uh, we're going to end on that, a collection of zingers from the Conservative Party convention. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Marc-André Leclerc is Conservative leader Andrew Scheer's chief of staff. Jason Leader is the president of Enterprise Canada. He's worked on several of Conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper's election campaigns. And Natalie Pawn is a conservative organizer and a delegate from Alberta. Well, I mentioned the zingers, and yes, there were a lot. The Conservatives' convention in Halifax was chock-a-block full of Justin Trudeau digs. The photo ops, self-aggrandizement, fancy socks and flowing locks will not pay the bills for working Canadians. What our country needs is a prime minister who will step up and lead, not dress up and preach. I bet you never thought in a million years that that rich, dim, embarrassing, well-meaning friend would become the leader of a G7 country. We respect all women, no ifs, ands, or buts. And speaking of buts, (laughs) I just want to be perfectly clear about something and let's just get it out of the way tonight. It is never, ever all right to grope women, no matter if you are some average Joe or even the Prime Minister of Canada. And that's our show. What drama? If you enjoyed this episode on Apple Podcast, please leave us a review. You have a story idea you want to share, compliments or complaints? As they say, everything can be sent to me through Facebook or Twitter at Althea Raj. A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J is my handle. A big, big, big thank you this week to our senior politics editor, Ryan Maloney, who pitched in as a producer here in Halifax. Follow-up is brought to you by Zian Lum, Stephanie Warner, and myself, Althea Raj. Our executive producer is Andre Lau. We will be back in September when we head to Surrey, BC for the NDP caucus. And until then, stay safe, have fun, and enjoy these last few weeks of the summer. 